If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and the Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Happy Thursday, everybody. 2-25-2021. And the reason why this day is special, well, in my eyes, but in a lot of people's eyes possibly, but especially in my eyes, because it is my son's birthday today. So Ronan Alexander, Ronan Alexander Land, if you're listening right now, which you probably shouldn't be because I think you're still at school, but you might be getting done right now if you're listening. Happy birthday, little dude. Kuz, what timing? Did, I didn't even prep you for that or anything. Impeccable timing from Justin Kuzart back there pushing all the right buttons. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I'm Austin Lane, joined by Kuz, pushing the right buttons like I just said. Brent Martineau, is he on vacation or just taking a day? I mean, he's taking the next couple of days off, but we assume it's vacation. I didn't really ask what was going on. I didn't really I just either. go with the flow. Yeah, I yeah. kind of was the same way. I. I assumed it was vacation. Yeah. I hope it was vacation. No, I think it's vacation. But once again, I didn't. I didn't ask any questions. I'm like, yeah, by all he means, was like, I hey, have you're had off. It. You're off. Cool. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm so blessed to be to the point now. I said blessed. Uh, shame on me because that's like the most cliche thing ever. But uh, you know, I'm lucky to be to the point now in my in this radio career where, if you would have told me that maybe like a year ago, I would have been panicking. Right, because it's kind of the dog days of yeah. sports right now. But thankfully, when there's quarterback controversy, thankfully, when there's mock drafts to be had, thankfully, when there's Jaguar stuff to talk about, my job is pretty easy. So I'm not stressing whatsoever. But, Kuz, I mentioned my, my son's birthday a little bit. And here's what I wanted to ask you, because, you know, I had to get up really early today to, to, to do the morning show there on 95.1. But you got the sense that he was, like, super pumped up because he had treats for his entire class and all that stuff. You know, like, he celebrated yeah, his birthday, sure. right? And he's like, I can't wait to get to school. Like, you're not my son because I never said that ever in my entire school career. But you get the sense that, like, he's really excited about his birthday. And then as I'm driving to work, I kind of self-reflect a little bit. I'm like, dude, when's the last time I was excited for my birthday, honestly? You know, like, to me, it's like another year. And I don't want this sound depressing or anything like that. But, like, I can think back to when I turned 21. Like, that was a big time because, obviously, now you can get in the bars and I don't have to use my fake ID anymore. And I didn't have a fake ID, but if I did have one, I'd probably used it. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, Um, When's the last time that you, like, really were actually pumped up about your birthday? And maybe you're not lying. Maybe you still get excited no, about your birthday. It's, it's, it's funny. My fiance and I go through this every year on my birthday. She's more excited for my birthday than I am, yeah. usually. And she loves her birthday. So, like, I'll go over the top for her birthday because she is excited about it. Sure, sure. I don't get – I, yeah, 21st birthday, I was excited about it. It's like now I can go to the bars. I yeah. can I can drink legally. Um, and then, like, maybe it's like, okay, so, like, this year, right, in May, I'll turn 30. So that's a big one. Yeah. Am I going to be excited about it? Probably not. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, spoiler alert, because I'm 33 years old. You're not missing much right. when you turn 30. I mean, I guess what I can qualify for, like, AARP. I don't know I don't know how old you have to be for 55 yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I guess that's a milestone, but yeah, I don't just, think every year is kind of the same now. Yeah, maybe maybe the cool ones, the 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 40s, the 30s, the sure. 35s, the 25s, is sure. those were all ones. But, like, I don't 
See, I feel like women, like, they're a lot, they get a lot more excited. It's like, it's not my birthday, it's my birthday month. Oh, yeah, the You know what I'm saying? Thing. And, like, they post their stuff on social well, media. Was... And they're, they're like bachelor parties at, well, keep in mind, now it's pandemic time at, mm-hmm. with the Jack's Beach bars. But I feel like pre-pandemic, like, you'd see, like, a bunch of girls, even even guys, but, like, celebrating a girl's birthday party, and they're yeah. all dressed up and everything. Oh, yeah. It's like a whole thing. We don't thing. do that. No, and, and honestly, um... Like, like to put it even that with with my fiance when when we were picking wedding dates, we were supposed to, I think we were between April sixteenth. This was before we had to move because of the pandemic. But between yeah. April sixteenth and there was a date in June, and it was really close to her birthday, and she didn't want that because you know her birthday and the wedding should be in different months so of we course. can celebrate. Yeah. I was like. I would love for your, your the wedding and your birthday to be like next to each other because then I could never forget about you know like <laughs> for sure. if I was gonna forget one I'd forget both of them and then that's a really big problem. But um, yeah, no, it's it's a big deal for for some people. I've just never really gotten on board. I mean, it's it. a it's a big deal for kids and that's all that matters, man. So happy birthday to the little dude. I'll be honest, Coos woke up this morning thinking, what am I going to start the show off with besides my son's birthday? But what else am I going to start the show off with today? And then, thankfully, the football gods, they shine down on me as usual, and they give me the news of, of Russell Wilson. And, and I'll be honest, man, we've talked about it before, and we've probably talked about it at nauseum in terms of this Russell Wilson. You know, it's it's all a facade. He's staying in Seattle. What are we doing right now? Like, people just want to drum up controversy for the likes. There's a lot of clout chasers out there. It's the same kind of clout chasers that want to say that Zach Wilson's the better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence. I get what you're all trying to do. You're trying to drum up the interest. But let's be honest. Let's keep it realistic. And I was under the standpoint, too, that all the Russell Wilson stuff – it was just cannon fodder. It wasn't real. It was somebody trying to make a story out of nothing. But then today, the news breaks a little bit, and there's you know, there's various sources and things like that, but they're saying that Russell Wilson is not happy with the Seattle Seahawks. And apparently this conversation, I read this on Bleacher Report, apparently the whole problem stemmed from and I'm not sure if it was the first game they played the Cardinals or the second game uh, that the Seahawks played the Cardinals. I assume it's probably the second game because that's when the offense really started to take a turn. They tried to run the ball a lot more. But Russell Wilson suggested that they tweak the offense a little bit, and he wanted to give his, his input, essentially, uh, of how he felt about it. And once again, according to reports, according to sources, is that during that time, during that dialogue, Russell Wilson actually stormed out of the meeting right before the game because I guess they weren't trying to hear Russell Wilson's opinions about tweaking the offense a little bit. Now, how much of that is true, how much is not, I'm not sure. But to me, this is really telling. And Adam Schefter released this, well, we're going on about an hour now. And it says Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson has not demanded a trade. His agent, Mark Rogers, told ESPN, Wilson has told the Seahawks he wants to play in Seattle, but if a trade were considered, the only teams he would go to are the Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, and the Bears. Which begs the question. I get it. There's supposedly, quote-unquote, no problems in Seattle. But then why did you put the but at the end? Right? Like, why would his agent go, but... I mean, you know, if we were to get traded someplace, we want to go to the Cowboys, the Saints, the Raiders, the Bears. Like, if you're – and listen, Mark Rogers is not his first rodeo. He knows what he's doing in the NFL. He knows when to drum up interest. He knows when to kind of pull the reins back a little bit, let his client be, you know, his client. 
to me, Mark Rogers saying this, that, well, yeah, Wilson's interested in Seattle still, but if he wasn't, he wants to go to these places. Well, what do you want us to do with that? You just want us to bypass that a little bit? Do you just want us to look past the butt a little bit? Nah, man, this is a giant if. This is a giant butt right now that we have to address. And obviously, that, that can be that could be a button, by the way, Coos, if you want to say that one. But with that being said, I think with Russell Wilson, anything's possible at this point. If, if you believe the rumors, if you believe where there's smoke, there's fire. If Russell Wilson did indeed get up and storm out of a meeting right before a game. And we all watched it. We saw the Seattle Seahawks change their entire offensive philosophy because, in my opinion, Pete Carroll thought, well, we got to help our defense out a little bit. We can't be getting these track meets because this isn't Seahawks football. We're known for pounding the rock. We're known for a physical brand of football and playing great defense. Heck, we got Jamal Adams over here. He's getting like six, seven sacks a season now. Like, we got to take care of our defense a little more. So let's run the ball with Chris Carson. Let's put a taper a little bit on Russell Wilson. Oh, what's that? He was an MVP contention? Ah, That's not a big deal. Let's go ahead and cap him a little bit, and let's make sure we run the ball a little more. Like, everybody saw that happen. And everybody saw that when the Seahawks started to be a little more, you know, dual threat, let's just say in terms of running the ball, play action, then you throw the ball. Like, the Seahawks sputtered a little bit. Like, to me, the Seahawks were playing the best brand of football when they were airing it out to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Now, is it the best brand of football? Is it the most ideal? Absolutely not. But what do I always say? You have to adapt to the players that you have. If you want to be a legendary coach, you got to adapt. You have to see, okay, we have this right now. Our defense is hurting, but you know what? We have Russell Wilson playing at a very high caliber. Let's air the ball out. And Pete Carroll said, no, that's not who we are. Now, I get where Pete Carroll's coming from. Because also on this show, I I say time and time again, it's about figuring out your identity. Right? And the past decade, the identity of the Seattle Seahawks, what has it been for sure? It's been running the ball. It's been playing a, a physical, tough brand of football and playing great defense. But if you're also Pete Carroll, you have to realize, listen, the Legion of Boom is long gone. Now, you, you can try to bring in guys like Jamal Adams and try to replicate that as much as possible. But you don't have that defense back when we went to the Super Bowl. But what you do have, and you don't have beast mode either. You don't have beast mode you know, pushing uh, New Orleans Saints around in the playoffs, uh, making a name for himself, eating Skittles on the sidelines. You don't have any of that right now. But here's what you do have. You got Russell Wilson. You got DK Metcalf. And you have Tyler Lockett, who is still a pretty damn good, you know, wide receiver in his own right. That's what you do have. So I understand that if you're Pete Carroll and there's an ego involved here, and Pete Carroll always kind of gets the brand of being a player's coach and all this stuff, but there's still pride involved. There's still ego involved. And when you see Pete Carroll, you get the sense that he wants to play his brand of football of what he knows, and he wants the Seattle identity to always be the same. Well, this year it was different, and I don't think that gelled with management. And this is where the frustration, I feel like, is coming from Russell Wilson. Um, And this is where the frustration of him supposedly is of walking out of the meeting. Where do you go from here, I guess, is the question. Because let's be honest, and I think this is a legitimate question. Would you rather lose Pete Carroll or Russell Wilson? All right, because make no mistake about it. Pete Carroll is a fantastic coach. But if I'm ownership, if I'm the GM right now, and I hear that – 
for instance, let's just go ahead and, you know, just cook up the, theoretically right now. Let's say theoretically right now. Let's say that Russell Wilson wants to leave Seattle because of Pete Carroll and how he's calling that offense and how he's running the show. If I'm the GM or the owner, I seriously got to consider, well, do I get rid of Russell Wilson or do I get rid of Pete Carroll? And I get Pete Carroll comes with a, a whole bunch of prestige and obviously a Super Bowl and a well-respected coach. I get all of that. But it's Russell Wilson. It's the quarterback position. It's the most important position in all of sports. I think that's a legit question. I think you have a hard time deciding, do you keep Russell Wilson or do you keep Pete Carroll? With that being said, though, going forward, there has to be some type of dialogue involved with Russell Wilson and how he wants this offense to go. Now, I understand what you're going to tell me. We can't be giving the players all the power. Right. This isn't this isn't Michael Jordan and Space Jam. You can't be a player. And you can't be a coach at the same time. And I understand that. But when you pay a quarterback top quarterback money, when you make that quarterback a captain of your team, a general, a leader, you have to listen to him. You have to take, you know, his thoughts, um, you know, his his actions into account. You absolutely have to, because that's part of the culture. And I find this so ironic. And the Jaguars are a prime example of this. Everybody seems to be trying to mold themselves after the Seattle Seahawks. Right? I mean, they brought Gus Bradley and obviously in company in years ago. But then Urban Meyer turns around and brings in a bunch of, you know, former Seahawks uh, staff, which I think, you know, they're great hires. I have no problem with the hires. But my point is, we're trying to be like the Seattle Seahawks here. Well, what's happening in Seattle right now? They're not on the same page. Now, once again, how much do you believe? What are the reports saying? Is it true? Is it false? I'm under this premonition. If there's smoke, there's fire. So everything is not hunky-dory right now in Seattle. I feel like there is some frustration between Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. I felt that without even hearing anything just because the way that offense gravitated from passing the ball to running the ball. If you're an MVP contention and all of a sudden you're handing the ball off 40 times a game, of course you're going to be ticked off. Of course you're going to be pissed. Now, yes, winning the game is the most important thing. Hoisting that Lombardi trophy is the most important thing. But how do you how do you talk to somebody? How do you defend yourself and say, well, Russell, we got to take care of our defense a little more, you know what I'm saying? So we got to slow the game down a little bit, control the clock. How do you defend that argument when you're losing, though? Like, that's that's the most important thing. Are you winning or you're losing? And I think that when the Seahawks switched up that offense a little bit, they lost a lot more than they won. So I get where Russell Wilson's coming from. I just never thought I'd see the day in the Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks. We, we praise the culture so much. I just never thought I'd see the day where I'm sitting here talking about, well, if Russell Wilson wants to get traded, where should he go next? You know, and apparently it's the Cowboys, the Saints, the Raiders or the Bears, which, by the way, the Bears was a little bit of a, an outlier to me. Um, it surprised me a little bit, but at the same time, I get the history. I get the intrigue. Um, if you want to buy into the whole large market narrative, but I can see the Cowboys. I can see the Saints, possibly the Raiders. But once again, we'll, we'll watch as this story develops more. There's going to be more from both sides. Don't get me wrong. But I just find it very peculiar when you think that you have the best situation in Seattle in terms of your quarterback that you just paid and the receivers around them and all this stuff. Not even Seattle's happy right now. This has to be the craziest year 
for quarterbacks that I can remember. And meanwhile, we're just sitting here in Jacksonville, just sipping our tea, minding our time, watching the dumpster fire that is the Houston Texans, you know, watching this stuff in Seattle, watching the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is Big Ben going to come back? GM's putting out cryptic messages about Big Ben. We're just sitting here watching all the world burn around us, and what are we doing in Jacksonville? We, we, we got our fireproof suits on. We got our tea, and we're just waiting for Trevor Lawrence to get here. It's refreshing. We haven't been here a lot. We've always had, well, do you get Nick Foles? Do you go after Joe Flacco? Uh, we got Minshew. You know, like, for the first time, it seems like in a while, you like what you got at the quarterback position. And it's a refreshing feeling to have. But when you talk about Deshaun Watson, you know, and obviously those things are still rumbling up a little bit. When you talk about Dak Prescott supposedly not not getting franchise tagged anytime soon, so you're going to have the whole battle with him and Jerry Jones, I feel like we're just getting started. And mind you, we, we've seen Matthew Stafford go to, uh, to L.A. We've seen Jared Goff go to Detroit. We've seen Carson Wentz go to Indianapolis. And that's the tip of the iceberg. We haven't even hit the, and with all due respect to Matthew Stafford, but we haven't even got to the heavy hitters yet. We got heavy hitters coming up, everybody. Get ready. Twitter, can you handle the capacity? I'm not sure, man, but it's just a wild, wild landscape right now in the NFL. And it makes me confident going forward now with Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer. And we actually, we have some great comments by Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow was, was on Adam Schefter's podcast today, and I sent Kuzat audio over, where Tim Tebow gets into how is Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence, how are they going to gel? You know, how are they going to work together, um, their personality types, all that. So we're going to play that audio kind of all day throughout the show, and I'll break that down a little bit as well. But I like the fact that, we do not have to worry about the most important position right now in the NFL. That's a good feeling. And, yeah, don't buy into whatever people are trying to sell with Zach Wilson. Listen, Zach Wilson might be a great quarterback. And you know what? I hope he is. Seems like a great kid. I like the way he plays the game. I've watched a couple of his highlight tapes now. I've watched another game. The guy the guy's a gunslinger. He kind of reminds me of Favre a little bit. I'm all for it. But you're absolutely lying to yourself. You're telling on yourself if you truly think that Zach Wilson is the QB1. Okay? I understand. You got subscriptions to sell. You want people to see your draft website. But let's be honest, man. It's Trevor Lawrence or bust. More on ESPN 690 when we get back. Brent Martineau. Right, Jason Fitz, thanks for checking in, man. We didn't try to keep you too, too long today. We, we, we gave you a short Austin Lane. Hey, hey, Jason, real quick, man, since you have oh, that Belinda Cough Award, um, you know, since you can you know vote on that, Murray State's got a couple good receivers. <laughs> no, they, they, they didn't play this year, okay? They didn't play a game this year. But Murray State's got a couple good receivers. Just check them out real quick. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Coach is going to do a really good job. I think there are a lot of things that translate, a few things that don't, but I think the things, uh, the areas in which he will um, have to learn, I think he's already doing that. I think he's um, one of the things that he does such a great job of, coaches and player evaluation. And he's, I think he's evaluated so many different coaches and he's hired a great staff that's going to help him in the areas of where he's um, learning and growing because he's in the NFL for the first time. And I think 
You know, just look at all of his players and how many have played in the NFL. He knows how to evaluate talent and who he wants and, and, and what he wants. And also the thing, Adam, I think it's important to mention is Urban, in my opinion, the, his best quality is he's a leader of men and he's a believer of men and he makes them believe in themselves and believe in, in that they can accomplish something special. And I think that's going to carry and that's going to translate. Tim Tebow. Former NFL quarterback, former, well, would you call him big league player? Heck, yeah, I'm going to call him big league player. Tim Tebow on Adam Schefter's podcast talking about Urban Meyer and what he brings to the table coming from the college ranks to the pro ranks. And I don't disagree with anything that Tebow said right there. I think he made valid points, you know, in terms of evaluating the talent. Um, Yeah, for sure. And how is that talent going to translate in terms of evaluation to the up-and-coming draft? Because it's going to be different this year. There's not going to be a combine. And actually, I just went through Todd McShay's uh, brand-new mock draft that he released today. I'm sorry, no, Mel Kuyper's new mock draft that he released today. Uh, We're going to break that down in a second here. And, Kuz, you know what we should do? We should get Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay, probably Todd McShay more because Brent knows him personally because Brent stalked him in the parking lot outside of Clemson and got the interview uh, during Trevor Lawrence's throw day. We should bring on Todd McShay and go through his like first-round mock draft and I'll shock his mock. Like we're not going to tell him we're going to do that, you know. Hey, Todd, love to, you know, really big fan of your of your work. Come on, here, let's see your mock draft. Break it down for us a little bit. He does, and then I just shock him like he wouldn't believe thoughts i think if we want him to ever come back on the show i don't think we do we do well i mean but there's two of them you got mel kuyper yeah. and todd mcshay so i feel like if you lose one you got the other one you know what i'm saying that's fair and i think mel kuyper's been in the business longer than todd mcshay has if, I, if i'm not mistaken don't quote me on that but it could be like one of those things where like it, if both of them were your they're arms right you don't want to break one because even though you still have one other one you need both they're not Siamese twins that they, they think for themselves <laughs> all right they have their own things going on it's I know not... but like think about it this way say I'm like thinking. two years down the line and we're in need of a specific I don't know position group right Jacksonville needs a specific position group yeah yeah and we're picking I don't know 18th or something like that sure and just, just ask me. Right, we'll ask you, but then say McShay comes out with, you know, one and we don't agree with it. So then we would bring him on, obviously, and talk about it. But what if they end up having two different sides and we want to approach both of those in two different different ways? Man, I see what you're saying, but you got to stop giving these guys so much credit, Kuz. It's not like they're like a duet, okay? Like they think for themselves. It's not like they're Casey and JoJo. They're content stars. By the way, Casey and JoJo goes hard. You know, know Casey and JoJo, you might be too young for Casey and JoJo. Are you serious? Yeah. When I say Casey and JoJo, nothing registers. All right. Well, forget it, Kuz. We're, we're, we're on to breaking news here a little bit. I, I can't even with you right now. This is why Brent needs to be here sometimes. Because when you tell me things like that, and you don't know who Casey and JoJo are, I, I don't know how to act, Kuz. All right? Like, I have, I'm trying to be professional. I'm trying to hold the fort down for Brent and myself by myself. But you're making it mighty, mighty hard right now. With that being said, though, Dan Graziano, 24 minutes ago, tweeting out, per sources, Deshaun Watson met with Texans head coach Dave Culley last Friday. And don't you want to call Joe Cullen Culley 
Isn't that what you said I should do with the first time I see him again? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's how you do laps, Coos. That's how you do up-downs. Anyways, I get back to the quote. In that meeting, Watson reiterated that he wants to be traded and told Cully he has no intention of playing for the Texans again. No change from Watson's end. He remains dug in. No shocker there, especially when Deshaun Watson had this has the same agent as Jalen Ramsey, and we know how the Jalen Ramsey saga panned out here in Jacksonville. I'm curious to see what becomes of the Houston Texans, though, because let's be honest. If you're a Jaguars fan right now, are you hoping that Deshaun Watson gets traded? Or are you hoping that he stays on the team? Because the way I look at it is if Houston, if Houston's dug in and they say, we're not going to let Deshaun Watson put, push us around. David Culley was supposedly told when he took the job he'd have Deshaun Watson. Let's just assume for the sake of the argument right now that Houston plans on Deshaun Watson playing football and they don't trade him. Okay. I'm the last person that's going to say Deshaun Watson's lying here. I think he's telling the truth. I think if Houston decides to keep him, I think Deshaun Watson sits out because he's made his point clear. And I think over money, I think over even being maybe a good teammate to the guys in that locker room, I think it's about respect and I think it's about loyalty. And those two things right now, Deshaun Watson has not had reciprocated towards him with that organization. I say this all the time, that when Yannick Ngakwe wanted to leave Jacksonville, he had the choice to get the franchise tag and all that stuff. And what did I say? Sometimes it's not about the money. Sometimes it's about loyalty. Sometimes pride um, trumps everything. And there's a great line from Pulp Fiction where it's, if you hear that pride, you know what pride's doing. I can't say what pride's doing because obviously I'd get in trouble because it's a little bit of an expletive, but you get what I'm trying to say here. So... Me selfishly wanting the Jaguars to do well in the division, I almost want to see Deshaun Watson stay in Houston and see what's going to happen. I want to see Deshaun Watson push the Houston Texans all in and say, okay, you want to keep me? Check this out. Like, to me, that's where the most chaos is going to come from. Now, if they do trade Deshaun Watson, yeah, it's it's going to be a time to, to rebuild and everything. You're not going to fix it, I think, in one draft. But then you get the draft picks, you get the capital, you get the luxuries and everything like that. And let's be honest, in Houston right now, they're in rebuild mode. You just lost J.J. Watt, right? You got rid of Hopkins for some reason, and now you're going to get rid of Deshaun Watson. Like, it is going to take time to get back up to the upper echelon of a, a quality NFL team in the NFL. So if that's the case, I want to see the Houston Texans take their time on this. I want to see the Houston Texans just kind of fall into the abyss a little bit and and embrace mediocrity, because I'll be honest, if there's maybe one team I'm sick of more than anything, and it's nothing personal, well, it is personal, it's the Houston Texans. Because ever since I played, and it's funny, I had this conversation with a former teammate of mine a couple days ago. When we talk about the Houston Texans, it's always like, they're always relevant. They're always either going to the playoffs. They always have the Jaguars number, it feels like, especially when I played. And we're talking like Matt Schwab. And we're talking about like Aaron Foster and, and all those guys. But like They always had a number. And it was annoying because like on paper, they don't knock your socks off. But then when you play against them, they have your number. And that's the most frustrating opponent to play against. It's a team that you're supposed to beat that you never can figure out. So I'm ready to see Houston take it down a couple notches. Come back down to the swamps of mediocrity where you belong. 
So I'll be honest with you. I want to see Deshaun Watson go someplace else because that's drama, that's news, and good for Deshaun Watson. I think he deserves to be happy. I think he's given all that he could to Houston. And well, like I said before, that wasn't reciprocated back. So be it, man. Player empowerment, pack your bags, go someplace else, and best of luck to you. But the other part of me wants to see, okay, Houston's obviously a dumpster fire, but how much can we burn this thing? How much gasoline can we pour on this fire uh, where we all can watch and I can go on the Houston Texans mentions and it can make my whole year? That's what I want to see even more than Deshaun Watson getting traded. We talked about Tim Tebow and his comments about Urban Meyer, the the ability to assess talent, uh, which is obviously an important factor to have, especially in the NFL. And as I sit here and break down Mel Kuyper's you know, his bold predictions, as he calls it, his mock draft that was released at 7.45 a.m. Eastern time. Obviously, number one, Jacksonville Jaguars. Spoiler alert, they're getting Trevor Lawrence. Okay? Shouldn't be a shock to anybody. I like what Mel Kuyper's doing there. But number two, and in comes the, the drama, and in comes the stipulation a little bit. Number two, he has Atlanta moving up to take their quarterback, trading with the New York Jets. And Atlanta's going to take Zach Wilson at number two. Is it feasible? It could happen. You never know. We'll see. But, man, has there ever been a hotter player, it seems like, than Zach Wilson right now? Like, listen, Trevor Lawrence is going number one. Make no mistakes about it. But if Trevor Lawrence wasn't in this year's draft, it would be crazy what this would look like. Because I spent how many months hearing about Justin Fields, Justin Fields, Justin Fields. We had Jason Fitz on, Justin Fields. Brett Martino said, yeah, Justin Fields. Now, J- Brett Martino is a big Zach Wilson guy as well, but like everybody was on the, Zach, uh, the, the Justin Fields bandwagon, as was I, until I watched the Indiana game. And then I saw too much. And then everyone tried to tell me, well, it's just one game, Austin. Come on, it's just one game. Okay. But it's one game against man coverage. Not a lot of teams in the NCAA in college football run a lot of man coverage. All right? It's mostly zone coverage. Indiana, they're the outlier. They do something differently there because they had the athletes. And the way that I saw Trey Fields, uh, Justin Fields, respond to, to tight coverage, to man coverage, it wasn't good. And that was a giant red flag to me. And, yes, it was bad, but it was bad, bad. The decisions were bad. So that was the first red flag. And then the Northwestern game, well, that was the second red flag, right? Because he did not play a good game at all either. Now, yes, he had the ribs or whatever it was. He wasn't 100%. But once again, the bad, the floor, it was bad, bad, okay? But then when we fast forward, and he has a little bit of a of a redemption arc, if you will. And he plays Clemson. Well, now all of a sudden it's like, well, this guy is better than you know Trevor Lawrence in this game. Now, say what you want about that. But the guy put up crazy numbers. And I thought from that game, it's okay. Well, obviously Fields is number two. Now he's back. But for whatever reason, people, and maybe I, I share the same you know thoughts here, people see the bad of Justin Fields, and it outdictates the good. And let's be honest, in terms of good, Fields has a lot out there. He's got a lot of great film, whether it's with his legs or his arm. Like, it might be better than Zach Wilson even. But the fact that we're letting the bad dictate right now where Fields is going to go, I'm not sure if that's right because we don't do that in the NFL. 
we don't see Carson Wentz. Well, at least, you know, the, the evaluators of the Colts didn't see Carson Wentz and said, all right, this guy last season, oh, man, horrible. Looked like he was lost sometimes. Looked like he had the yips. No. What does Reich see in, 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 in Indianapolis right now? He sees Carson Wentz and he's like, I can bring back that guy. I can bring back the guy that should have won an MVP award if he didn't get hurt. I can be a, bring back that guy who put up ridiculous numbers his second year. I can bring back that guy. But then when we talk about draft picks and a guy like Justin Fields, we say, man, that guy had a really good game against Clemson, right? And even against Alabama, a pretty, you know, the top team in the nation, he didn't do that bad. But we don't say we can work with that guy. We say Whew, that Indiana game, that Northwestern game, I want no part of that. And that's funny to me. It's funny to me how we praise the good of NFL players, and that's why they get new contracts or they get traded or they get what they want. But then at the college level, it almost seems like it's more of the bad that dictates where you end up in the draft. Just a little little observation there. But anyways, getting back to the Mel Kuyper draft here, um, you know, I mean, we see names so Atlanta's trading at number two. Devontae Smith goes number three. Number four, and keep in mind, this is the Atlanta trade. So he has the New York Jets at number four right now via the trade. Number four is another shocker to me, in my opinion. And this hurts my heart a little bit, everybody. I'll be honest with you. This pick right here, and it very well could happen, but I, it's going to hurt my heart if it does happen. Kyle Pitts, number four, to the New York Jets. Tight end, pass catcher, dynamic wide receiver, going number four. And the thoughts are this, and I quote, so the Jets move down, add priority picks, and end up with one of the best players in the class. I still believe they're better off giving Sam Donald another year of improving the talent around their quarterback. The 23-year-old is too talented to give up on. Donald has never had a pass catcher like Pitts either. The six foot six Pitts can line out wide in the slot, and I target him like a number one wide receiver, as mentioned in my podcast. So Kyle Pitts goes to number four. Well, you know how I feel about the whole Orlando Brown thing, and we're going to get into that a little bit later on the show about what the Jaguars should do about Orlando Brown. But you guys know where I stand on it. I say that you risk it for the biscuit. You go in another direction. You use that you know, that second first-round pick, if you will, and you try to trade up to get Kyle Pitts. But then Kyle Pitts is going number four to the New York Jets, and maybe it doesn't matter anymore. Later on in this mock draft, he's got a couple more trades. He's got San Francisco trading to get Justin Fields, um, which would be kind of a shocker in my opinion. He's got number eight, Carolina Panthers getting Mac Jones. He's got trades all over the place, by the way. He's got Trey Lance going to the New England Patriots at number nine via a trade with the Denver Broncos. Let's go to Jacksonville, though, right? That's why we're here. That's why we look at these things. That's what the most important part is. Jacksonville, he's got a guy who you've seen a lot. Christian Barmore. Now, when I saw it this morning, I threw I threw on a lot of Christian Barmore film, and I sat down, um, unbiased, and I watched what Christian Barmore offered. I watched him, you know, in the last couple of games of the season. I watched Alabama's first couple of games. Watched him. I mean, I watched pretty. Man, I think I watched like four or five games. Not like you know the whole game. I'm just saying the highlights. And it's interesting because. I feel like I'm on the same page here with a lot of draft experts and a lot of people in general about Christian Barmore. Christian Barmore, to start the season off, didn't play a very high-caliber level of football, let's just say. The last three games that he played in, he blew the doors off. 
He made his money the last three games of the year. Now, that's not the worst thing, I think, in drafting somebody. Because we always talk about here, and I'm, I'm going to come back after the break here and break this down a little more. But I feel like when you have a guy who's kind of surging at the end of the season who maybe realizes, like, hey, man, you can make some money if you play well. I'd rather have that guy than a guy who, let's just say, started off strong, then towards the end of the season, you know, sputtered a little bit. Now, whether it was a nagging injury in Christian Barmore's case, whether it was, you know, maybe a, a scheme change, whatever the case may be, Barmore played far better the last three games of the season, like almost unstoppable. And it begs the question, do the Jacksonville Jaguars have the coaching staff in place to bring out the best in Christian Barmore? Because that's your job. Can they take Christian Barmore and get the best version of him? And is it a no-brainer to take Christian Barmore? Or is there somebody else out there that Jaguars could use at that 25 spot? I'll break that down next to you on ESPN 690. Urban will do an incredible job of at rallying and motivating and getting everybody on one page, pulling on the rope at the same time. And I think, um, you know, he's going to, I just know he's going to turn over every stone to be able to do that. Tim Tebow, more Urban Meyer thoughts. We shall see. I'll tell you what, though. You want to talk about a, an ultimate flex, if you will? You want to talk about a, a power play? Because, you know, Urban Meyer now is kind of dropping press releases of people that they hire. This is more of a free agent thing. But I feel like in free agency, Urban Meyer should announce who they're signing. Like, ah, huh, Leonard Williams. I like this guy. We're going to bring him in. And Urban Meyer break the news. Why not, man? Could you imagine if he started doing it like uh, Woj does for the uh, NBA Draft. Urban Bomb? What would you call him? Mm, Urban Meyer. And I'll tell you what you'd call him. You'd call him. You gotta go. You gotta go with Meyer somehow, mm, right? You'd uh, Woj bombs Meyer missiles. I, I don't like it. Meyer's missiles. Meyer's nah. missiles. Let's work on that, Coos. Let's work on that, and we'll yeah, get back to you guys. We gotta work on that. And okay. we'll get back to everybody. But we're gonna come up with something better because Meyer's missiles was trash, and I apologize. We expect better on this show, and I will give you better on this show. I keep get, I keep thinking back to Myers Masquerades, but I don't think that's and and you thought Myers <laughs> Missiles was bad. Yeah, Myers yeah. Masquerades. It just keeps coming up in my head. I don't know. Do you have any other words that start with M? March. And we're done. Myers uh, March. No, no, you no, Kuz, you had your chance. This is your day today too to shine, because obviously Brent's not here, so you get a lot more mic time. And guess what? You blew it. Well, but speaking of, you blew it. March is coming up. We could do like a whole like Myers March thing. You blew it. All right. What, what, I'm what, trying what, to justify What do you want to do for Myers March? What, Kuz? I don't know. Break down. This like, is your time we, to shine. Break down what we think Urban Myers specifically is going to do and how he's going to do it in Urban Meyer March. Every day we pick a different angle of football that Urban Meyer is going to address. You had me at Casey and JoJo about me wanting to lose it. <laughs> But you, but you, but you find a new way every single break, man. Congratulations. No, we're not gonna do a Myers March, and that's final. All right. Uh, I mean, maybe right. we can. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we can. You know, I, I say that Myers now. Monday. But yeah, I said, nah, it's not bad. Well, it could be like the new Minshew Monday. Well, we that's had. the problem is is we have to. We have all these headbands just sitting but around. Think about here. it. We have we have, yeah we had we have Myers Monday. Yes. 
Trevor Tuesdays. Yes. So we're we're at this point we're, you know, we've got the first part of the week set already. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'll I'll keep listening to anything to get endorsements, man. That's where I'm at right now. I'll sell out in a heartbeat if I have to. Austin Lane here <laughs> on ESPN 690 and Action Sports Jacks. Uh, Brett Martin up today is on. I think he's on a little vacation. I think he's on a golf excursion. I saw on Twitter he's posting photos of. Of, of a golf course. I thought about responding, being like, "That looks like a three putt, easy from Ooh. where he was sitting on the." <laughs> Do we know where he's at? Oh shoot, he said, "Hold on." It's gonna take way too. Okay, long. Okay, yeah, so don't worry about that. But anyways, so hey, listen, I was breaking down the mock draft a little bit of Mr. Mel Kiper, kind of the who's who in the mock draft game. A guy that listen, I mean, usually he's got his finger on the pulse of at least a, a good amount of what could transpire. You know, I mean, he's got like. 15 trades, it seems like, in the first round. But let's get back into it real quick. And where we left off is I left off the number 25, obviously, the Jacksonville Jaguars, because that's why we're here. And a guy by the name of Christian Barmore. And the way this draft shakes out for Mel Kuyper, the other guy that I would consider taking, who a lot of people like, I think, is Morig from uh, TCU, safety. Very dynamic guy. I feel like you could put him at both spots. Definitely uh, could be a free safety, or he could be the, the box safety as well. Uh... Kuyper says this about Maury going number 17 to the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders have used first-round picks on safeties twice in recent years, first in 2014 on Carl Joseph and then in 2019 on Jonathan Abram. Joseph didn't work out, and Abram has only played in 14 games this past two seasons, but both are box safeties with limitations in coverage. Morg is a more fluid athlete who can play as a deep safety. Agreed. He has some range. He's not afraid to stick his head in and make a tackle. Vegas could also go with an edge rusher with this pick. But here begs the, it begs the question right now. This is what I'm trying to get to. Let's assume right now that the best safety in the class probably hands down is Morig. And he goes to the, the, the Raiders or he goes before pick number 25. And let's assume that the Jacksonville Jaguars don't trade up or even trade back. And they have the 25th pick. If Christian Barmore is there... I feel like there's no way that you don't take him. Now, once again, I, I echoed the point. I understand that maybe the one red flag with Christian Barmore is the fact that he wasn't consistent all season. He really started to pick up his play towards the end of the year. But I say this. What we saw from the good was fantastic. So I feel like if Urban Meyer is you know, is truly good at developing players and Joe Collin is this as well, well, then you get the best out of Christian Barmore every single time. You get the best out of Christian Barmore in every single practice, and that translates to the game. So I'm not worried about everyone saying, well, you didn't play good the first, you know, you really picked it up the second part of it. I don't care. The good that I've seen is fantastic. So I wouldn't mind seeing him in a teal jersey. And keep in mind with this as well. Yes, I want them to get Leonard Williams. Yes, they have to address interior uh, defensive line set aside from Christian Barmore. But keep in mind, if this team goes a traditional 3-4 defense, you're going to need defensive tackles, you're going to need a nose, and you're going to need depth. So even if Leonard Williams comes in, that's fantastic. What are the other plans then? You going Taven Bryan? What are you going to do? All right? I think Barmore's a guy, and listen, he's played in every, he's played a five technique I've seen him play. He's played in a nose. He's played in a three. I'm not sure how accustomed he is to two-gapping if they choose to go in a traditional 3-4 defense, but I feel like he's athletic enough and, and gifted enough to do that with his power punch and everything like that. 
I think Christian Barmore is the can't-miss draft pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I get it. It's interior defensive line, not always the sexiest pick. But when you talk about a, a positional need, that is the need right there. And I think Christian Barmore is by far the best in the draft with what I've seen so far. So it might be a no-brainer at number 25 if Christian Barmore is there, and we assume that Morg is going to go before that. More on ESPN 690 when we get back. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.